Hi guys, this is Danny. And this is Molly. And this is Black Chick Lit here, surviving this summer. <sighs> yep. Yeah. I just keep going. How are you doing? I checked in a little bit, but now we're doing it on the Yeah, that's so. true. I'm tired. My neighbor's house caught on fire yesterday. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry. You did not I mention forgot that to mention that. <laughs> you so casually. What he happened? Was, Are they okay? Is the whole house total? It like, was, what? I guess, his um, dryer caught fire. Oh. And so we were just sitting, you know, sitting around. Frank was, like, doing some laundry, folding up some clothes. And I was watching A Dog's Purpose. and <laughs> As one does. As one does. And all of a sudden we hear, so our city has a helicopter, which... Uh, our city is pretty small like in terms of like socal and Mm -hmm. um we see this helicopter a lot so i don't always you know think about it but it was like hovering right over our house it's going all crazy and then frank said oh a shirtless man just ran up our driveway i was like what the fuck and so we got up and we ran and then there were like um five i think fire engines and like I think nearly oh, wow. twenty sheriffs. Oh wow! And then we saw like uh, smoke billowing out, and it was like at first we thought because with all the news going on, we thought someone was trying to get in the house, so we were freaking out like someone was going around doing something crazy. But yeah. it turns out that the shirtless guy was another neighbor, and I guess he was just the first one to notice the smoke. So he ran up to their house and told them to get out of the house. They ran out with the baby. Um, oh, that's good. And then he They're ran. Yeah, he ran around to turn their gas off because it's like in our driveway. I was that's like, a really, that's a good neighbor. Right? Like he was on top I don't know who this man was. I don't know how to fight him again, but he was just, he was fucking on it. I was like, yeah. Like get the people out, turn the gas off. He was running all over the place. And then they put it out pretty quickly because they had, you know, probably 50 people here. I imagine. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a later night. <laughs> wow well i'm glad everyone's okay yeah i hope i'm glad okay. yeah everyone's okay our neighbor was like superhero neighbor right? our neighbor whose dryer it was was like super chill about it we were like are you all right like uh my husband went back out he told me to stay inside because he was like oh the smoke i was like that's a good idea so he was running up and down the street like asking them if they need anything and the neighbor was like yeah we're good we're fine <laughs> They're probably a little shocked. Probably. I imagine, I feel like, I, I don't know if, so, if my house had caught on fire and some neighbor call, came down and was like, are you okay? I don't know what I could ask that neighbor for. Right. That would moment. like fix the situation. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he, like, was, he was he was very chill. He was just standing there looking at it like, mm, damn. <laughs> well, I'm glad they're okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm going to say I'm not that surprised. Like five fire trucks went out. I read the story once that like, because fires are so rare now, like compared to like when like, because of technology and all this, houses are just safer. So fires are really rare. So like, it's really rare for firemen to have like an actual fire to go to. So apparently they get like hyped about it. I I don't know. That may not be true. Because everybody was like suiting up and there were like a million people. (laughs) But then most of them were like standing around and shooting the breeze. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's an actual fire and not, you know, like, transporting somebody's you know grandmother to the right like yeah so it's interesting well i'm i'm gonna say this again i'm glad yeah i'm glad everyone's okay (laughs) 
So. Uh, my weekend's really dull. I spent too much on kids' clothes. <laughs> I bought some back, not as much as you did, as you said. You're you're baby shopping. Yep. It's a whole different, yeah. <laughs> I bought back to school clothes for the nieces, even though only one of them's going back to school. Well, you know, they both gotta look good. I got, I got manipulated. <laughs> The one's just going to stay home with my mom. She don't need to impress my mom. <laughs> Maybe she does. How do you know? <laughs> so oh, she saw, she saw those, she's, so Old Navy has like these suede ankle booties, faux suede ankle booties with like a unicorn on them. And like, she saw them and she's like, she fell in love with them. <laughs> they were $30. <gasps> And I'm like, I can't, I'm sorry, baby. I can't spend $30 <laughs> on ankle booties for you. <laughs> Because again, where are you going? It's like you're, you're and, not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and two, you're gonna grow grow them in like six months. Yeah. yeah. So she got over <laughs> it. But um, yeah. And then I painted, and I learned, or I reminded myself that I hate painting <laughs> because I do. It's the worst. Cutting in. Uh, I got paint on everything. I have to go back and like scrape it off the windows. Oof. I'm not not like the glass, but like the metal. Yeah, like the trim. Yeah. And everything. Yeah, I'm bad at this. But the room looks a lot better. That's good. So. Yeah, we have all the painting supplies. Now we just need to get the paint. I So my, you know, wishy-washy waffling ass took so long to pick a color. That's the hardest part. Oh, yeah. See, that was the easiest part for us. We went in. We were like gray. gray. See, that was me too. But I'm like, what shade? Of, <laughs> I overthink possibly everything i was trying to and then frank said this one and i was like this one was like this one or that one and i was like okay i guess this one well cool yeah so you have someone there it's just me in my head uh yeah and i'm like oh this gray is too dark but this gray is so light it looks like white mm-hmm. and it's like if i'm gonna paint it white just paint it white yeah so but no that's done so my weekend was much less eventful than you and your neighbor <laughs> <laughs> so um we do have some actual book news to discuss some good news some celebratory news so the Rita's were this week well not this week like time is weird when we record it was the week of the um I believe the 29th -hmm. July 29th at RWA and we got our first black Rita winners yeah Yeah, and they were Kennedy Ryan Mm -hmm. and M Malone Mm -hmm. I believe maybe there were I saw two. If there was one more, I did not see their name, and I feel and I want to apologize ahead of time because I. But I think, I think that's I saw who two. they are. I'm not 100% yeah. Sure. And when I type "black Rita winners" into Google, <laughs> um, it's a lot. So we they also had a South Asian winner, Nisha Sharma. She won. Um, we didn't get the categories. I'm gonna pull them up now, and I'll just edit out. Um, so can it, Ryan. Kennedy Ryan won for con- Contemporary Romance Long with her book Long Shot. And M. Malone won for a romance novella for her novella titled Bad Blood. Mm, okay. And then Nisha Sharma won for Young Adult Romance, My So-Called Bollywood Life. All right. That sounds adorable. I think I've seen the cover of that. Yeah, that sounds really cute. Well, congratulations so, to them. Yeah. Yeah. So have you heard there's apparently some... Not to, because there's never positivity without negativity and just racist assholes. Apparently, there are people who are saying, like, this was just done for, I guess, virtue signaling or something. Uh, who that, cares? Let's okay. idiot things. <laughs> That's good. You know what? Let's go with that. We're going to end it right there. 
<laughs> Who cares what some idiot thinks? So yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad that I see, it feels like the Rita's and the RWA are really sincere about making changes. Um, I do know they hired like outside help to sort of help improve their judging process. So hopefully that'll lead to more equitable awards in the future. That's good. Yeah. So we're all for equality. I think that's it. I think we both just want to like talk about this crazy book. (laughs) Yeah. This book was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can I say I read like, it took me so long to start this book. I finished three other books before (laughs) even. And then I was like, oh, we're recording soon. I should probably buckle down and, and finish get this. with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what do we read, Molly? We read They All Fall Down by Rachel Housel Hall. Mm-hmm. So, this is her most recent book. I believe it was published April 2019. Mm-hmm. And one interesting thing, she's, so she's published like, she's published seven books total. Um, no, eight books total. And Four of the others that she's published are like a series okay. where the main character is a black woman detective. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. We're always talking about how hard it is to find like black mm-hmm. mysteries. I think maybe in the future, if we feel like doing a mystery, we might loop back to her. And maybe her straight mysteries are, um, I don't want to say better, but maybe her straight mysteries <laughs> will be a different reading experience. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like that's one thing I remember going out to look like it's hard to find a black mystery. I feel like a black female mystery. Cause I can only think of like two. There's that there's like the Hollywood series. And then there's this one. This is the only other one I've heard of recently. And to be fair, I'm not deep in mystery. So there's probably a lot more I don't know about, but just like a casual Google. I, I didn't find, I was unable to find a lot. So I guess we'll get into it. I'll read the synopsis. Please. As always. (laughs) (laughs) As always. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Um, but you know what? To be honest, going into this book, as soon as you know the premise, you're already spoiled. That's true. So, yeah, we can get into that. So, all right. So, Miriam Macy needs a getaway. Strengths, stressed, anxious, and fleeing some unknown legal troubles, she heads to an isolated Mexican island where she thinks she'll be participating in a Survivor-esque reality show. She's desperate for the cash prize and an opportunity to redeem herself to her daughter. She's joined on the island by six other strangers who each have a different story for what brought them there. The group soon learns, however, that their mutual friend and lawyer, Philip Omeki, has died and the weekend getaway is actually serving as his memorial. There's Wallace, a sickly older man who was Philip's husband, Desi, a flirty young widow, Eddie, a cop with a temper and a whole (laughs) lot of guns, Javier, a chef who imbibes too much on too many things, Evelyn, a nervous nurse who just wants to go home, and Frank, a.k.a. Trey, (laughs) a flashy real estate broker with expensive tastes. Once they're on the island, things become tragic as one by one the guests die in a gruesome fashion. Javier is poisoned by his own fugu. Desi is strangled in her bed. Frank is boiled alive in a golden hot tub. And Evelyn hangs herself. With just three guests still alive, the group begins to turn on itself as each member struggles to find help. Eddie, who's now coked up and paranoid, holds Miriam and Wallace hostage, thinking they are in on the murders, along with an infamous drug lord who used to own the island. That's when I realized this book was crazy, by the way. Um, (laughs) Miriam shoots and kills Eddie, which drives Wallace to flee from her and lock himself in a small panic room hidden inside the island's massive mansion. It's in there that Wallace discovers the truth. 
There is no memorial. Philip had arranged for all seven to be brought to the island where he would make them pay for their various crimes. We learn Wallace was a murderer as well as a domestic abuser, and we learn the full extent of Miriam's crimes. She cyberbullied a teenage girl until she eventually committed suicide. Philip has ensured that Wallace will die in the hideaway, hideaway closet as payment for forcing Philip to live, quote-unquote, in the closet. At the end, Marion... In the end, Miriam runs away to a bluff on the island, desperate to signal for help, where she trips and falls into the ocean and dies. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's a lot more poetic than that, but yeah, she just sort of stumbles off yeah. the cliff. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think, Molly? I'm going to blow your mind. I think I like this okay. more than you did. Oh, probably. I didn't hate it. But I, was like... I think that pretty early on, because when I first started, like, Miriam was really getting on my nerves. <laughs> I was like, I really can't stand this person. And then when I, like, got to it, I was like, I think that's kind of the point. I think she's supposed to be, like, mm-hmm. this really hateable person. And I think, like, after I got less caught up on, like, the mechanics of the mystery and how ridiculous, like, everything was. And I was like, I'm just going to take this for what it was. I had a lot more fun with it. I... I hated Miriam too. She's kind of a detestable person and she lies constantly. So I like her family's always like, why are you always making up shit? And at first you don't. (laughs) Why would you say that? Well, well, because I feel like when you're with the protagonist, you automatically like your bias is towards Mm. them. So it's like, why do they keep accusing her of making up shit? And then you follow her and you're like, oh, she's constantly (laughs) making up shit. (laughs) She's constantly lying. Constantly. And yeah, yeah, I hated her too. And um, I think my issue was because I caught on that this was a, and then there were none mm-hmm. retelling, any and all like suspense or, you know, sense of, you know, whatever kind of yeah. went away. Like I knew what the, what the plot was going to be. So then it just became, okay, well, when's someone going to die? Cause I know they're going to die. Someone's going to die eventually. And then someone else is going to die and they're going to turn on each other. And they're all going to die because they did bad things. Like, I feel like, if the story had maybe flipped the script just a yeah. bit, just like something, something different, I would have enjoyed it a bit more. But because it was just, it followed, you know, and then there were none, almost beat for beat. It was just kind of just <laughs> to read because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, because I hadn't read that book, like I'm familiar with it and it's unfortunate naming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Yes, it's original name, yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, I... I I, you know, it says on the back of the book that they're all going to die there, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and it starts off with Miriam dying, like in the prologue. Uh, those are her thoughts as she's oh. dying. Oh, yeah. was it? I totally It's forgot. almost like word for word the same paragraph. With her like slipping down and then she looks up and sees the girl and she's kind of floating there. <laughs> so I think that like, once I was like, okay, the, 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 there is a mystery in this, like who's doing it and why? Um, but I think, like, the more fun part was just, like, how ridiculous and over-the-top this is. Oh, yeah. Like, the murders, I think. The murders, I thought, were and... pretty good, actually. Especially the hot tub. I was like, what the hell? Oh, my gosh. That grossed me it out. It was so gross. It was, it was described a bit too yeah. well. <laughs> I was like, I don't need this. Um, so, let's talk about the seven and their... I guess we started with Miriam. Do we just want to keep going? Yeah, with Miriam? I think Miriam we talk about like, each one of them and then that'll lead us through the plot. Yeah. So Miriam, yeah. Um, we get introduced to her and she's having like this panic attack in the LAX bathroom. Isn't it the LAX bathroom? She's at an airport. Yeah, 
she's in LAX. Yeah, because I remember I was like, Ew, <laughs> what a terrible place to lock yourself and cry for 30 minutes. And she's just having this total, like, uh, you know, panic attack. She's taking uh, Valium. She's, like, really nervous. And, like, for some reason, she's going on this survivor type um, <laughs> uh, reality TV show. And it's, it's interesting because you're in her head. And, like, her thoughts mm-hmm. are so fragmented that it's really hard at the beginning to figure out even what the fuck is going on. Because she keeps going, like, she'll start down one path. She'll be like, oh, my daughter. But then this girl. And then uh, Philip, And then here. And then my Valium. And it's, like, so scattered and all over the place. You're like, yeah. Miriam, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, and we're dropped in sort of in media rest mm-hmm. sort of but like because like she keeps thinking and talking about people and we don't know who they are mm-hmm. or their relationship to her and all this other stuff so you're like right in the middle of her chaotic yeah thoughts. and she keeps and it is, it's contradicting herself but you don't quite realize that until you know more about the story yeah and she's also so. extremely judgmental Oh, she is. She's such an She's asshole. like a huge asshole. She's so mean. And I think at first I was like, oh, this is like, you know, she's like just super hateful and everything. And I'm like, oh, and I think like sometimes we don't do a good job at this about separating like a character from an author. Like sometimes you read that and think that's the author's like way of mm-hmm. thinking about things because she's like describing like the nasty place she like apartment she lives in and hateful people all around her. And it's like, no, Miriam is that bitch that she like can't stand and don't want to be around (laughs) right oh she is terrible so what we know about her is you know she has um some anxiety issues she's running away from some kind of legal issues but we don't really know what they are at the beginning She, she has a broken or sprained wrist she has a sprained wrist she has a daughter who she's trying to impress but the daughter's really angry with her for some reason. We don't know why. And yeah. she's been usurped by this other woman who's moved into her yeah, house and I, stolen her husband. Yeah, her her daughter's dance teacher, Ashley with two. Ah, uh, that's what it was. I couldn't remember exactly who she was. <laughs> I listened to the audiobook yeah. of this, and it was the same narrator who did um, The Wedding Date. Oh, that's what she said, yeah. And so I was like, why is this so familiar? Um... So yeah, that had distracted me for I think the first uh, maybe ten minutes or so of the book. So I guess since we already sort of spoiled it, we might as well talk about her crime because yeah. they each sort of have like a crime they did. This is what I couldn't figure out. I'm gonna backtrack for just a bit. There's a really there's like a heavy theme of like the seven deadly sins in this book and how like each character has a yeah. sin. I'm not positive was. Was Miriam Envy? She was Envy. Okay. And it took me a long time to figure out <laughs> who, who all of them were. But at one point, she she, she kind of gave a clue that helped me a lot. Because oh. I was like trying to figure out greed, wrath, Envy. Um, some of them were easier to figure out than others. But yeah, um, she, was, she was Envy because at one point she like picks up the piece and she makes like some remark about it. And I think it's like her like realizing like, oh... They're trying to say I'm envious, but that's not true. They're just haters and they have everything better than I do. Sorry, my phone alarm went off. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. But yeah, yeah, I think it's like because when she first gets to the island, it's like almost every single thing she thinks about 
uh, like she gets caught up on like how everyone has it better than her. That's true. So she true. gets to the, yeah, she gets to the house and she's like, why are the men on the second floor and I'm on the first floor? And why is this guy's room bigger than mine? And my room is this. And Ashley with two E's, she's thin, but she didn't have any kids. And so it's like, you kind of see like without being like ever told straight up, except for when she picks up that piece that <laughs> <laughs> she's like, just really envious of everyone. But I feel like wrath and, all these other things could also apply to her. Yeah, because some were like a lot. Like Javier was definitely gluttony. gluttony. Desiree was definitely lust. lust. So some were pretty easy. Yeah. I, I want to say I'm glad you mentioned the floor thing because that pissed me off. She kept going on and on about why the men were on the second floor and why she was on the first floor. And I'm like, bitch, who cares? Like, that's, and I think that's the point. <laughs> like she's so irrational and so envious. And it's like, it literally makes no difference. You have these beautiful rooms. And it's like she cannot get over the fact that she's like on the first floor instead of the second floor. Like, like, like who wants to go upstairs? Like, <laughs> oh god. So yeah, so we learn her crime is sort of like um, so she's a dance mom, and I honestly I don't feel like we can really trust everything she, her interpretation of things. I don't think so at all. So from what she tells us is that there was this teenage girl named Brooke. They were her, she was friends with her daughter, Morgan. So it was Brooke Morgan. And there was a third. There was like a third girl, but it's like her telling of everything is so all over the place. Yeah. It's like, what did this third girl have to do with anything? I don't yeah. Know. And I can't even remember her name, but basically Brooke and Brooke and Morgan were friends until sixth grade when apparently Morgan got a lead in a recital that Brooke wanted. And then Brooke started bullying her and using like, she spray painted a swastika in her locker. Apparently there was some Pepe the Frog involved. (laughs) Yada, yada, yada. And so from what we hear, um, Miriam created sort of like a social media cyber bullying. It sounds like she had a whole campaign. Like there were probably puppet accounts. Yeah, (laughs) there were puppet accounts where she basically bullied this girl, and then she had silk scarves mailed to her house with something along the lines of like, "Why don't you use these?" No, so she took the silk scarves and she tied them into a noose. That's right, and then sent them to. Brooke. Yeah, and said, why don't you use this? Why don't you use these? And she did and hanged herself. Yes, and she died. So she she, died. So she went to court. She was found. I think it was a misdemeanor charge, but not a full felony. Mm -hmm. She basically, what, like had a year probation and some fines. Mm -hmm. Because that guy, Philip Omecki, basically reduced her sentence saying it was like uh, she didn't actually kill her and all this stuff, which have you looked at that? um, case uh, it reminded me of that case it's now that documentary i know you're off the true crime oh the, the one girl. i wanted to watch that one i can't watch it because it's on hbo it's um i love you now die yeah where she texted him i was thinking of that one remember way back in like the aughts where the mom actually did cyberbully. it happened in st louis i think that's why it stuck with uh, me there was actually a mom who cyberbullied a girl she pretended to be a teenage boy and oh, like, I don't remember that. Oh, her, it was a mess. She pretended to be a teenage boy and she sent these, she was like in an internet relationship with this girl and then she Ooh. turned on her and started like insulting her and saying, you know, we would all be happier if you die, blah, blah, blah. And then the girl committed suicide. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. She, well, it reminded me of the other one, the yeah. legal question in it. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I mean, that's, that's some sticky, that's for the real legal scholars. I have no idea. That's sticky. I can't <laughs> even, especially if you know someone is fragile like that. Yeah. I mean, and then she's an adult. Why are yeah, you like? Yeah, it's just it's a difficult question. Yeah. So. So, but th- this I feel like is less difficult because she, she mailed her a <laughs> news. 
She did. She she went that extra mile to make this. <laughs> to make sure. But it's like, it's interesting how it all unravels because you hear about like, she keeps saying like the damn frog and then this and Brooke and then uh, uh, all this stuff. And you're like, what the hell does any of this have to do with anything else? Yeah. Like you get it in all these like scattered pieces. Yeah. And then right before she goes off on the, the trip, um, uh, the girl's... What's that? I was going to say, she's like jumped in her own front yard. She's Well, they say she's jumped. She says that she's jumped. That's but I'm true. like, uh, not 100% sure what happened. Yeah. She says that the girl's, what was it, her sister mm-hmm. and Prudence. sister's boyfriend or somebody mm-hmm. um, come to her house. There's some kind of like argument. They push it. They're like TPing her house. Yeah, TPing egging. Miriam's house. Egging her house. And then um, they get in an altercation, they push Miriam down, and the girl, like, kicks her in the arm. Um, And then she immediately goes to her ex's house, where he lives with Ashley with two E's and their daughter. (laughs) And she's, like, covered in eggs, and she's, like, you know, her arm's broken. And the way she tells it, she's like, oh, you know, this horrible thing happened to me. And they, like, just don't believe her at all. So when you first read that, it's like you see her all beaten up and, like, upset and you're like well why why is her ex-husband not helping her and you know the the dance teacher stepmom is being like super bitchy to her and everything and you're like oh everybody's against Miriam but it took, like you hear about all of that before you hear about what Miriam did and before yeah. you hear about the fact that she might not be 100% telling the truth here anyway. yeah the thing that makes me think that it might not have happened is that she can't she has security cameras up on her property yeah. And she keeps saying, oh, well, I have the video footage. I have the video footage, but she can never find it. Yeah. She's like, it's like the video is unavailable or something. Yeah. And her story keeps changing. Like, it's not set up right or the Wi-Fi wasn't working or she couldn't pull it up on her phone. And they're like, let us see the footage, uh, Miriam. And she's like, uh, it's not working right now. I'll get it to you <laughs> later. And the whole time she's on the boat, she's like, as soon as I get home, I'm going to I'm gonna figure out, like, my security camera and my Wi-Fi because I know it's on there and I know when they'll see it. And then she says something like, they won't be able to hear what I said because right. it, doesn't have audio. <laughs> because it doesn't have audio. So that'll just make it look better for me. And it's like, oh, my God, girl, you are a mess. Some of her leaps in logic are ridiculous because after she learns about, like, the memorial and she meets Wallace, she writes Morgan that email and she writes okay. about how, like, Wallace adores me and he's going to help yeah. me get a book deal and possibly represent me and I'm going to become a best-selling author. And I'm like, how did we get from A to B on that one? Like, like that she, just, she pulled that out of nowhere, the whole out book Out of nowhere. Thing. Yeah. Can I say I love her job? It's completely ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm glad that the book... So for a while throughout the book, anytime some article of clothing <laughs> is mentioned, they'll do these little italics, like a piece of copy she would have written for it. She works at like a luxury consignment shop and she creates quote unquote stories for the pieces. Oh, I got to Yeah, she one. basically writes the copy that goes along with it. But they're like so over the top and ridiculous. And some of them are actually hilarious. Like when you like lead in and find out like she's a villain, I felt a little <laughs> bit better laughing at some of the mean things that she said. And some of it is just like, what does she say about the dress? Like, uh... Oh, show that you don't care about circulation. <laughs> You're bad, but she doesn't care about circulation. It's something like that. Well, here's one of the copies. When she spots Desiree, she's um a twenty something a twenty something year old brunette dressed in a blue stretch knit dress. And then the copy is Billie Holiday smiled at you from the stage and asked, 
where did you get that dress? And it's like, okay. <laughs> it's really over the top. And she uses it to make like these really catty comments about everybody else. <laughs> She's such a hot mess. And then I think is it Wallace who says like, uh, oh, so you sell used clothes. You sell <laughs> rich people's used clothes to broke people or something. I think it's Frank because Frank is all oh, about Frank. like the brands and stuff. Frank, AKA Trey. I don't even know what to call him anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's it's he does it because there's that scene where he comes in and he drops the pretentiousness and he's oh, like, yeah. he's just a brother. <laughs> so he's like, you sell rich clothes to poor people. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, what? And I was like, you, you do though. <laughs> that's what you do. It's got some written name, Hidden Treasures or something. Yeah. It's, it's really over the top. <laughs> it's um, hilarious. Though. Question. Do you think uh, Miriam showed up on that boat with eggs still in her hair? I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do so she could tell everyone, like, what a victim she is. Because they describe her for a bit about how her head is, hair is crackly and, like, yeah. patted down. I'm like, wait, did she get egged or egg herself and then just walk onto the boat? Like, I kind of feel like she did. <laughs> She's such a mess. It's really disorienting, but I think, like, I didn't enjoy this book, but it's not because of the author's lack of skill like the writing is there i just already knew what was gonna happen yeah and that's fair yeah let's um just, let's do you want do we want to go in order. order of how they get knocked down okay like yeah. how they go so because the first one to go is javier who's <laughs> probably my favorite and you know what i'm gonna say this javier got a bad break because of all of the people in this group he seems the least culpable of like that's any true. true crime um so javier um, is introduced to us. I want to backtrack because this, I think this is one of my favorite moments of the book. <laughs> so Miriam, when she gets on the boat, she's being hella sneaky. And she's like <laughs> snooping around. People are being like rude to her because everyone on this cruise is just a bitch and they're super hateful toward everyone. <laughs> so they keep making fun of her. She doesn't feel like she deserves that. So she goes snooping and she looks in Eddie the cop's bags and she finds like all these rounds of automatic ammunition. And she's like, what the hell? What the hell? So she tells everybody. um, And then he plays it off and they're like, oh, yeah, you're the one who makes up stories, Miriam, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever. So um, when they're all assigned rooms later, uh, there's one guy, Javier, who's a chef. And they only say, like, uh, he's in the kitchen. They show this beautiful kitchen. So Miriam goes down to talk to him because he's the only one who kind of was like on her side on the boat. He made her that nice drink. He made, <laughs> like he's got making her to chill. so many drinks. Like he is getting people turned. Wasted. Because he himself is <laughs> super duper high on cocaine. Exactly. Um, so she goes and she says like, I, she goes back and she, she takes pictures of the, uh, the gun cases and everything. And she thinks that she's still kind of in survivor mode. So she's thinking like Javier's going to be my ally. Mm -hmm. She goes down to show the pictures and he's like, don't even worry about it because I got an Uzi. (laughs) He does. (laughs) And I think that was like my favorite part. He's like drunk off his ass. He's like, well, what you wearing for? In the butler's pantry. In the butler's pantry. And so Miriam, like that actually doesn't calm her, but makes her feel like, well, okay. I guess we're all just strapped on this island. <laughs> yeah. He, I don't think we can over explain just how off his gourd Javier constantly seems to be. He's like, when they first arrive on the island, he has a flask. Yeah, a silver flask. And he drinks to the point that he's like tipsy, like they're hiking to the island. And he almost, yeah, he almost falls headfirst into a tide pool because he's just so drunk and then yeah. 
when he pulls out the cocaine just in front of her, I was like, there's not even, like, I feel like, hide that. You don't just pull out your he sniff just pulls of cocaine. He's like, here we go. And he asks her if he, <laughs> she wants some. And she's like, no. Nah, she's like, I'm good. Yeah, he, like, Javier truly does not give a fuck about <laughs> anything. He's just in there cooking. He's supposed to be making, like, these amazing meals. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes and gets, like, sea urchin from, like, mm-hmm. the tide pools. And he's getting, like, fish to cook. And he's made, like, this huge breakfast. He's always making, like, Bloody Marys and some kind of, like... Mimosa. S- mimosa and some other drink that... Uh, Blood of sand. Yeah, like, with a whole bunch of alcohol and stuff, and he's just getting everybody drunk. He's, like, constantly <laughs> high out of <laughs> And she's on volume. She should not be drinking She should not be that. drinking. But she's drinking a lot. Yeah. And also doing a lot. Taking a lot of volume. Yes. Oh. But, so, Javier... I So, going back. So, Javier is the first to die. He prepares a, di- a fugu dish for the group. Yes. And he cooks it up. And if you don't know, fugu is raw <laughs> puffer fish and you have to slice it carefully. You have to prepare it carefully because the ovaries of the fish have a very powerful neurotoxin. Yes. And so if it gets in the flesh, it can, you can eat it, it can poison you and you can die. There was a yes. Simpsons episode about yeah, it. I was going to say, fun fact, <laughs> it's the one that Homer eats the fugu and thinks he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. So she prepares it and like when people learn what it is, they get nervous. And so yeah. he grabs a, sli- a piece off of Miriam's plate. Yeah, because they all sit down. And yeah. it's like very beautifully presented. Mm-hmm. And like <laughs> somebody, what, maybe Evelyn, did Evelyn say something? Like someone says something to trigger Miriam to be like, not want to eat it. I think it's Frank because it's, Frank. Frank is cultured. And he's like, oh, I've, I've been to Japan and had like real fugu. And I learned there that, you know, there are specially certified sushi chefs to prepare this dish. Yeah. And he goes and Javier insists, no, no, man, it's fine. I, I've done it before. I've made it before. It's fine. So he grabs a piece of fish off Miriam's plate to eat it. And he is very much not fine. <laughs> yeah. It's like she does a good job of explaining these death scenes. Because oh, it does. they it's- are nasty. He slowly and painfully, like, you sit there and, like, she describes as he, like, sort of chokes or suffocates, yeah, I guess, because if it's a neuro... gets, like, super... Well, it, it turns out that it wasn't the fugu that actually killed right, him. Right. That's right. So... Um, his face gets really flushed, and at first it seems like he's, like, super happy, and he's, like, almost, like, orgasmic over the food, but then he's, like... He starts making, like, a little choking noise, and yeah. then he, like, throws up all over the place. Oh, yeah, that was so gross. And it's, like, he's, like, spasming, and everybody's, like, oh, and I think someone goes to help, but Evelyn, the nurse, says, like, <gasps> yeah. don't give him mouth-to-mouth because he just ate a mouthful, <laughs> like, he has a mouthful of poison. Yeah, Eddie was going to perform CPR, but Evelyn's, like, he just ate the poison, you'll get it, too. Yeah. And so there's really nothing they can do. They can't call for help. It's in the middle of a storm. Oh, so, yeah, we should talk a little bit about the setting, too. Yeah. But, yeah, so they can't, so they have to stand there and watch him die yeah, in the middle this of this is, meal. This is, like, this huge mansion on this island that used to belong to, like, a, a drug, drug lord. lord. And it's, like, completely cut off from everything. Like, it's, like, a, I think, one to two hour hike through the jungle mm-hmm. to get there. And then they have to get there by boat, and it's, like, this whole thing. And, um... No cell phone coverage, no, no Wi-Fi. They have a satellite phone, but that's not even working. Yeah. Um, and they're just, like, completely, completely isolated. I think someone even asked, like, what will we do if we get in trouble? And they're like, nobody's going to get in trouble. Like, yeah. something stupid. <laughs> that's not a comforting answer. <laughs> so, so yeah, so they're, they, and then, so after he dies, they just sort of 
plop they them, them in the, in the freezer. freezer. Because they're like, well, we can't contact the boat to come get us until two days later when they come back with the rest of the people here for the memorial service. Yeah. And so they don't want the heat to get to them. So, so let's talk about Javier's crime. And again, mm-hmm. I feel like of all of them, his is the least, like he's the least culpable. Javier is a chef at a restaurant called B.I.G. And I think it's supposed to be sort of a uh, homage to the real life heart attack grill. Oh, I and, think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what happens is he makes these really exotic and um, decadent supersized portions of food of dishes. Yeah. Um, I want to look up like what it is he actually ate because they describe. So after every death, everyone gets sort of like a news article yeah. that sort of explains what that sort of provides context over why yeah. they were picked and to end up on this island. So a man came into Big and ate a one of his ridiculous meals and dies of a stroke later. Yeah. And Javier is like, well, I didn't force him to eat it. I didn't force him to order it. He did that of his own free will, and he died of a stroke. Yeah, um, and it's oh, like, a, oh. I was going to read what it was. It was, he ate, he, he died after eating a four-patty burger that also boasted smoked oysters, elk pastrami, 12 slices of Munster cheese, and two fried ostrich eggs stacked between two thick slices of Texas toast coated in brie cheese. First of all, that sounds kind of gross. That sounds nasty. <laughs> but yeah, and we also learned that another person had died of a yeah. heart attack. Yeah, because it's, again, it's interesting. Like, it's all filtered through Miriam. So she's listening to his coke-fueled rantings. (laughs) And he keeps saying, like, before you really know what happened, like, uh, well, I didn't force him to eat it, and I told him this, and he was too much of, like, you know, a punk to eat it. And you're like, what the hell? And he's like, yeah, there were others, but that wasn't my fault either. And it's kind of like, what's going on? And then later you find out the actual story. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not great, but, like, compared to, like, Miriam, who sent a teenager a noose, and yeah. some of the other people, Javier is probably, like, the most sympathetic character. <laughs> so he was, he was greed, and he ends oh, up Oh, he was two, gluttony. Oh, gluttony, gluttony. Yeah. The two things that were important about him is they put his body in the freezer, <laughs> the walk-in, and um, Miriam is kind of like, well, where did he stay? Like, she has this whole thing about yes. everyone's assigned a room except for him. So yeah. she's kind of like, well, why wasn't he assigned a room? Like, what's going on with that? And she really wants to find the gun that he had. So she kind of goes on a, a quest to find <laughs> to find where he was staying later on. The third important thing is that Eddie steals his cocaine. Oh, yeah. Eddie's, <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. Eddie steals his cocaine. <laughs> Like, immediately, like, from his body. Yeah, in front of everyone, and he just sticks it in his pocket. Yeah. So, yeah. So, after Javier dies, the party, the dinner party ends on a bad note, and so they all just decide to go to bed. Except Desi sort of, Desiree sort of plays up the sympathy and sort of convinces Frank to come, to, to come, when she goes back to Frank's room to spend yeah, the night Yeah, so let's her. talk about Desiree. Yes. First of all, whew, the voice that she did. She did a lot of um, accents. <laughs> did you listen to the... I read it. And let me tell you, I think you're, they spelled out Desiree's accent in the text. Ooh. Like, she never pronounces Mexico, Mexico. She says, Mexico. Yeah. Like, she says it over-exaggerated. And it's spelled out that way in the book. I'm going to have to look at that, though, because it was it was a lot <laughs> in the audiobook. Like, she from Oklahoma, West Virginia. She was from West Virginia. She had a kind of southern accent <laughs> she book. says girly all the time she's like what's up girly yeah she 
Yeah, if you want to take a snippet, I'll send you something because it was, it was a lot. Um, but she, so she's this younger widow from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband left her some money, or maybe didn't leave her money, but she acquired she got her money, husband's yeah. money after he died. Um, she, she kind of, um, uh, befriends Miriam a little bit um, yeah. as I think they're the only two. no there's um, Evelyn too so they're three women but they're the Desiree only two and... women who aren't in on it we could say that yeah, at least yeah that's true so she's kind of like come on Miriam like there's gonna be a lot of single wealthy men on this <laughs> island and she's like you know I'm just she's like I don't need to be a widow forever like let's go and so they kind of are a little bit buddy buddy even though Miriam hates her she judges the hell out of her she clothes, judges the hell her out of her like everything so um she saddles up to Frank um aka Trey pretty quickly <laughs> And Trey's kind of like, uh, he's like, uh, he's also black. So him and Miriam are the two black people kind of in this group. <laughs> and we'll talk more about how that plays out later because I thought it was interesting. But he kind of lets it slip that uh, Desiree is wealthy and he's like, I'm just looking for more clients. Like, this isn't really a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's the first night uh, Miriam wakes up because she hears something. She goes out and she sees like, Desiree and uh, um, Frank standing on like the bluffs or something. Of all the places to like take in some hanky panky, why are you on the edge of this cliff? <laughs> right. Which I like, like toward the end, Miriam says, like with her envy, she's like, I've stood on cliffs like that before because I'm from Southern California. Better cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, girl. And I think she sees like her butt. It doesn't, she says something because, because, like, even at. Huh? I just I was going back what you said about the cliffs. I like how even after like six people have died, she has to be judgy about like I've seen better cliffs. I've seen better like- cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, go ahead. So she sees her out there. They're getting frisky, and um, <laughs> that's my favorite expression, by the way. <laughs> Miriam uh, runs back to her room, um, and so the next morning, um, Evelyn. Uh, gets everybody up and she's like, oh my God, Desiree is dead. <laughs> They're like, what? Oh, oh, we missed something before that. What? So Miriam, this is how you sort of know, this is when I realized Miriam was a big fat liar. So Miriam, I mean, it was probably before that. Miriam hears a scream. Oh and yeah. Because she does it, she, she keeps questioning herself to the point that you don't even know what's going on. She's like, did I hear a scream? Blah, blah, blah. She goes to Eddie and Eddie accuses her of crying wolf. And then she goes on, she's like, I not just only heard a scream, I heard some class breaking. Yeah, and, and so he's she, like, I guess. Yeah, and so then he goes, and that's when Eddie kicks down the door. Well, it's important that that Evelyn that's says true, yeah. Desiree is dead, and they try to go to the door, they're knocking on the door. Yeah. But the door's locked. Locked. That's so true, Eddie yeah. kicks it in, and they find Desiree dead on the bed, and she's been strangled. Yes. Yeah, so the order is important. Like, Miriam heard the noise. Evelyn said, Desi's dead. Then they kicked the door down and found Yeah. Him. And so she's, like, you know, in her, like, uh, nightgown or something. Or, oh, she's completely naked, wasn't she? I thought she, I thought she was, like, in a ripped-up nightgown or something. I thought it was, like, because I was like, oh, that's so, indig- like, what a horrible way to be found. I thought she was naked. 
Like the implication was like she had had sex. Like well, the, yeah, lost. the implication is that she had sex because there's like condom wrappers, and, yeah, like, empty liquor bottles, <laughs> and she's been. Uh, was she strangled or was she suffocated? I don't. I think it was, she. Had, they found her with a pillow over her face, but she was yeah. also bleeding a lot. And I don't know. I'm not. You know, I've never strangled and or suffocated anyone, so I don't know which one would would end up with blood all over the pillow like I that. I think suffocating would. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but she's dead. And they also say strangled in the writing, but maybe. Yeah, like, maybe then, it's just Miriam being like all over the place. Yeah. So, yeah, so she's dead. One of her earrings is missing. Yeah, which Miriam makes a huge deal out of because. They're not real <laughs> sapphires. Yeah, Desiree tells the story of how she had um, this boyfriend, but they never did anything while the husband was alive. And he gave her these sapphire earrings that were like as blue as her eyes or something. And Miriam looks at him and she's like, they're plastic, girl. <laughs> so, um, she like guffaws in her face. Yeah, like, she's like fake. laughing. And like, I love it because um, Desiree's like, what do you mean? How can you tell? She's like, because there are bubbles in it. <laughs> she's such a bitch. She's such a bitch. <laughs> she's like, girl, I can see the inclusions from here. And so it's like... Um, Maria makes like a big deal. She's like, well, where did her earring go? I know for a fact she had it on. I know for a fact that then she kind of like lets it slip that she saw them. She saw uh, Frank and uh, Desiree outside and um, Evelyn echoes her. They're like, we both saw them outside. So the suspicion turns to Frank Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, Eddie um, goes into cop mode. Oh, bonkers, berserker cop mode. Right. He takes him and he locks him in. He locks Frank in his room. He pulls a gun out on Frank. He's, oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, he's close to almost shooting him. And Wallace says something catty like, killing two unarmed black men in one year? Wouldn't that look bad? It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Eddie has some issues that we're going to get yeah. to. Yeah. But he pulls it on Frank. He puts he basically restrains Frank in the room. So I think Frank yeah. should be the next one that we talked about. Yes, So because he's also the next person to die. So let's yeah. talk about Frank. And I think he had the nastiest death. Frank had the worst death. So when Frank Frank pulls up like a baller, like when the yeah. plane, like when it's time to leave, he's like, he gets, he has a ride up. He's got fancy, he's like flossing. He's in a nice car. He's like really friendly. And he's basically, I knew immediately he would be pride. So, uh, because he's just flashing everything. No, he's not pride. He's greed. Is he greed? Oh, I guess mm-hmm. he would be greed. Then who's pride? Wallace. I, that bitch. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, he's great. That's true. You're right. Because his crime, yes. So, he's on the boat. He's sort of, like, snobby to everything. But there is this really interesting scene when it's just him and Miriam where he sort of, he drops the fancy language. He drops, you know, the long words. And he just sort of, he talks acts like a, a regular person. Yeah, yeah, he talks like a like a brother to her. And she's like, ah, so underneath all that stuff, here's the real Frank. Yeah, and he he's kind of the one that lets it slip that, uh, Omeki had like very wealthy clients and he's like you were kind of the charity case Miriam but everyone else here is going to be like super wealthy so I'm here to yeah. network yeah oh who calls her the Groupon I think that's Wallace <laughs> Wallace had the best birds <laughs> the Groupon customer I think I highlighted that because I loved it so much <laughs> yeah so so after so they he kind of flirts with Desi for most or Desi floats with him at the very least for most of the trip and then they do they sleep together and when he gets locked in the room, let's talk about 
him because he doesn't really do much after he gets locked room until he dies. Yeah. So he his whole thing is like, you know, she was alive when I left. Like, yes, we slept together, but you know, there wasn't anything else. Uh, you guys are being crazy. Like he's denying it. Um, but they lock him in the room and he, he goes because he's kind of like, OK, well, you know, this Eddie guy just tried to kill me. Um, and he goes and he decides to take a bath, I guess. Yes. OK, this death, we need to talk about the mechanics. Yeah. Because from what is described, they're theorizing that he added like bath oils to the water. Yeah. And, and the he, cigar fell in the water because he smoked yes, a cigar. because he was smoking a cigar. And set it and on the fire. oil caught on fire because I see kind of scorch marks on the ceiling. And that, then it like, literally. Possible? I have no idea if that's possible or not. But then again, it's like Evelyn saying, I think this is what happened. So who knows what she, what might have actually been added that's to the true. water. That's true. But she's kind of like, oh, it's oil and it caught fire. Oh, full on kerosene probably. Who knows? Probably. And so, like, they say, like, basically, he's in their boy. So they... It's so um, disgusting how I they forget why him. they go in, actually. Because they he's not answering. They're ready to go in there, and he's not answering. They run in. Eddie kicks down the door. When they see him, he has his hands, like, around his neck. Yeah. And so they he's, have to like, pull. choking the life out of him. Yeah. Well, he would have been. <laughs> so they're, like, trying to pull him out. And Eddie claims that Frank was trying to get out, but he kept slipping on the oil. So right. he was trying to help him out. Right. But Evelyn is there. She's like, nah, he was joking him. <laughs> and so basically it's like he boiled in there and they're talking about like his skin was like sloshing it's, off. It and, was the smell. The, and the, of the smell, smell. It was just so nasty. I did it not so like it. I didn't like it at all. I don't like. Uh, and I'm, it's like they can't get the temperature on the water down. So Miriam's like, we have to get him out or else he's going to like turn into soup in here. Well, because when they do eventually pull him out, he does have a very faint pulse, but eventually I think he dies. Yeah. Yeah. It was oh, just it was super terrible. nasty. It was so terrible. That one, that one, that one messed me up. <laughs> that one was nasty. Like Javier's was gross how she kept talking about like the vomit, but this one was like That was nasty. the worst. Yeah. I think it's between him and Javier for the worst. I think so. Worst slash best death. So Frank... Frank's crime, I kept thinking about Frank's crime because I'm like, I just don't, maybe I'm not sophisticated enough. So Frank is accused, along with two partners, of committing Mm -hmm. mortgage fraud. Mm -hmm. So basically they would have people sign faulty mortgages and then keep the money. I think so. But I'm like, I don't understand how that works. Who's giving you money? (laughs) I think they must have had the money. I don't know exactly how it was working. Because you you sign a mortgage with a bank and the bank buys the house. Like, I don't... (laughs) I'm not smart enough to figure out how this fraud works. Like he could have been financing the mortgages himself. Maybe and, and maybe then, like extorting it? people. Yeah, extorting people for more and more money. Yeah. And then using the money that they had to get more people yeah. into their system and then like just getting more and more and more money from them. Yeah. So that tells you the kind of person I was. So I was like, wait a minute, let's explain. <laughs> I want a breakdown of this bank fraud. I'm curious and- as to how you pulled this off. He gets caught because he orders a hit on, <laughs> like, the other partners. Yes. And then he orders a hit on the hitmen. Yeah, then he orders a hit on the hitmen. You don't do that. I, I assume hitmen are a pretty close click. Like, yeah. Like, that's his co-worker. <laughs> and so, um, uh, Omeki helped him out, and, uh, 
uh, Wallace like lets it slip that his Frank. name isn't actually Frank. He doesn't have like the mm-hmm. white wife somewhere and all this. It's like his name's Trey. And he's from like I forget where he's from, and he's like just being like super bitchy to him. <laughs> so yeah, so that's Frank's story, and I feel like I don't. Know, he, he was. He was something. He annoyed me from jump two of all the other yeah. characters because he was just so smug and so. Miriam shuts him down at one point, and that was actually kind of satisfying to see. Yeah, but, but yeah, uh, they trade. They all kind of trade barbs back and forth. Yeah. Um, um and so next is Evelyn. And so at yes. this point, they all like not all, but Miriam starts suspecting. She realizes that Evelyn knew Desi was dead before the door was unlocked. Uh huh. Evelyn also ate some fish. So after... Oh, yeah. yeah. After what's his name die, Evelyn? After Javier dies, Evelyn is the only one to stay at the table. She eats all the food. Fish. Yeah, because she said she's hungry. Yeah. So Evelyn had no problem eating the fish. She knew that Desi was dead. And I don't know how she connects her to Frank other than the fact that she's just already suspicious about the first two deaths. Yeah, and I think she's like, well, you were the only one... You were the one who was kind of saying that Frank uh, was being strangled by Eddie. Mm-hmm. when no one else was around. Like, yeah. you've been the only one kind of around this whole time. Yeah. Evelyn is not described using any kind of flattering language. Every time nope. she's described, she's like, her clothes, she's got, like, ratty clothes. She smells she's like a, a goat hay. eyes. Yeah, the goat eyes. She's got, she like... She smells like a petting farm. Yeah, she smells like a petting zoo, hay, and, like, dampness and mildew. She go she... Miriam breaks into Evelyn's room at one point, and I think the detail that stuck out with me that was just so disgusting were spit wads on the ceiling. And I'm like, why? Yeah, yeah. so she's just, she hates her. She thinks she's, like, dumb and nasty. <laughs> like, she, she's just, she really hates Evelyn. She does at one point, like, look at her and go, like, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Like, I think from the jump, she was like, I don't like this one. No. So, and so she's been act like Evelyn acts very like strange the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, like I think at the very beginning, after Miriam goes to talk to Javier and he shows her the gun, she goes out and Evelyn actually says, "I'm sorry" or something. And then I think Miriam like takes it the completely lo- wrong way. She's like, "Oh, she's sorry. She's so annoying" or something like. She takes it like the complete wrong way. Was that right after Miriam had or Evelyn had been like, I want to go home and she like yeah. cries and then Evelyn feel, or Miriam feels bad. It's like the first real sympathy Evelyn gives any or Marilyn <laughs> gives anyone. All these yeah. names are tripping me up. Yeah. Um, and then I think she does say sorry. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. that was a hint. So so when she breaks into Evelyn's room, so she, she does break into Evelyn's room. I mentioned that she sees the spit wads, but she also finds one of Desi's earrings. Mm-hmm. She finds some oil that mm-hmm. had been used in the tub. She finds the pieces that have been slowly taken off of the table. Which I don't think we talked about at all. Yeah, this we can, we can get into it. And she yeah. finds a jar of jewelry cleaner that contains cyanide. Yeah. And I think she finds yeah. her Valium too. Oh yeah, she does cuz at one point someone had broken into her room and influencing. We need to talk about the seven deadly sins. Yes. the table and the pieces when they first walk into this big house they find this like hugely ornate like table with these carved pieces on it and it's got like these renaissance style pictures um it's a real piece it. i googled it 
Oh, really? Yeah, You're going to have to send me that. Yeah, I can't. Let me find it now. It's called the... It's by Bosch, I think. I can't. And it's The Seven Deadly Sins. It's got a Wikipedia page. Yeah, The Seven Deadly Sins and The Four Last Things. So it's like got a big wheel in the center and going around the spokes of the wheels are The Seven Deadly Sins. And then in each of the four corners are like sin- scenes from the afterlife. Um, and so it's kind of horrifying. And so they walk in. Yeah, it's horrifying. And like, um, Evelyn's like kind of like, grossed out by it and frank's like i have one of these or he wants one right or he wants no he says he has something and wallace is like shut up you fucking liar like all those (laughs) are museums or something um and so they see it on there and every time someone dies a piece is removed from the board so this is the part where I think the book really missed an opportunity because I think that wouldn't have increased maybe there just weren't enough people but I feel like if I walked into a big mansion on a deserted island and there was a giant table with the seven deadly sins and seven pieces and there's seven of us here, I I'd would be leave. Like, I'd be like, oh shit, like this is a setup. <laughs> These seven, I guess because the death, the first death are accidental or they appear accidental until Desi's, they don't catch up on it. They don't realize, yeah. hey, these pieces are missing. We're being murdered in a systematic fashion. Like, yeah. And so I feel like it's a lost opportunity. Why is it there if they don't ever come back and check? Like the pieces are sort of an afterthought. And yeah. the table sort of treated as an afterthought. Yeah. It's not It's not the most well-woven into the story. I think which yeah. is why we're not even talking about it until now. Yeah. It's it's kind of, it seems like a an addition that probably came later. Could have been. That wasn't fully woven in. Because I was yeah. excited when I saw that. I was like, ooh, we're going to like, these pieces are going to get knocked down and like, and that's they're going to find it out and like yeah. get suspicious of each other. And... Yeah. Or maybe a piece goes missing before they even know someone's dead. And they're going to like, oh my God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. was really excited. I'm like, oh, this, but it just wasn't used to its potential. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Um, so she, Evelyn finds, let's see, the gluttony, uh, lust and greed pieces in Miriam's room. Yes. Which helped me out tremendously because I was really trying to think who Frank was. He was, you know, now that you say it, you're right, he was greed. I, for a while, thought he might have been pride just because he kept bragging about everything he had. But yeah, when you learn about his crime and the. Yeah. The and then I think at people, the end, they say that Wallace mm-hmm. is pride. Yeah, his was, Wallace was a mess. That's what Wallace, Wallace was. Wallace was a mess. You, you can't put him down to one, <laughs> one sin. Um, so Evelyn eventually, and we don't see it, sort of takes place off page. She runs out into the woods and when they do, when they find her, she has hung herself. Yeah. And so that's... I think because uh, it was like, uh, so the remaining people, um, uh, Miriam is kind of like, Eddie, somebody's killing us. I think it's Evelyn. And he's kind of like, whatever. And they're... They're out in the woods with Wallace and they hear a crack. Mm-hmm. And so Miriam is like, what the hell was that? And she's like, what, what? And she's going all crazy. And Eddie's like, it's nothing. <laughs> then um, she goes back and she finds out that it was Evelyn hanging herself out the window. Um, oh, in a tree. Oh, I think okay. like she was by the house. Like I think she climbed out a window and went into a tree and then hung herself. Yeah. And, and so after her death, we learned about, well, we never get, do we get a news article about her crimes? She basically... 
is she's accused by Wallace of like putting air bubbles in yeah. different patients' IV so that they would die. She Wallace like gets tired of her super quick. Oh, he does. So he's Wallace, tired of everyone though. He's like, tired of everyone. He's, he's kind of mean to everybody, but he like especially hates <laughs> Evelyn. And he's the kind of the one who kind of outs her in front of everyone and says like, oh, she's basically like Annie Wilkes. Like she's been murdering all these um, elderly people who have been in her care by putting air bubbles in their IVs. And he was like, oh, you disgust me. And he's just like really calling her out like in front of everybody. So I can't remember if there was like a article or it's just Wallace like just telling all of her business. I think it's just Wallace because I don't think she ever because if someone had known about her crimes I feel like she would have she should have gone to jail. Why Philip didn't just turn her. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't remember a news article for her. I do want to say this though. Wallace had and we can get into it when we get into it. He had no problem airing everybody's business in front of everybody. Like they'd be having a conversation about something completely different. He's like Hey Trey, didn't you defraud twenty million out of yeah. that old couple? It's like what? He hated all of them. He was such a bitch. It was hilarious. So Evelyn, um, we learn like it's sort of jumping ahead, but we learned through um, Philip's letter that Philip had sort of blackmailed her, her into coming to the island and committing these murders for him. Yeah, he said he would kill her mother and chop her, her dog, or her dog, or something if she didn't come and like. Uh, orchestrate the first four murders yeah like three murders and then her own suicide i guess um so we learned that she um it wasn't fugu that killed javier she put the jewelry cleaner in um miriam that's why i was like trying to remember she put it in miriam's meal yeah yeah so miriam because miriam has that moment where she's like oh i could have been the one who died (laughs) and then um uh she uh, strangles or suffocates um, uh, Desi. Desiree, Desi, and then she <laughs> burns Frank in the bathtub. And then after she's done all that, her instructions are to hang herself, which she does. <laughs> this is where the plan gets a little. This is where it starts to go apart. off the rails. Because <laughs> so. if like if Omeki's already dead, how's he ensuring this? Right, <laughs> and also. I will say I was gonna save this for the end, but I guess we mm-hmm. might as well do it now because it works. How is he any better than any of them? Than any other people here? Like I feel like in the original, and then there were none. The guy who was pulling the strings. Sorry, I'm gonna spoil. And then there were none. The guy who was pulling the strings was a judge, and he was a judge who like felt like they really these, these were the cases he, I think he like called wrong. Or, like, he got incorrect. And so he wanted to go back and fix it. I feel uh, like when it's a judge doing that, I sort of, like, I sort of get... It doesn't make sense, but that's his job. That's his job is to judge these people and determine what like sentence they get. Philip is just the lawyer. <laughs> I feel like he wasn't killing them because of their, like, to punish them for what they... I think it was kind of twofold. It was punishment for what they did, but it was more so because he just hated them and found them annoying. Right. Because they were all cases from like the last two years of his life. Yeah. When he was suffering from brain cancer. Yeah. So I feel like these are just the people who just pissed him off at the end of his <laughs> life more so than anything. And he was kind of like, well, I know I'm going to go to hell, so I'm going to send you back all there too. Me. I just, yeah, I'm just like, I don't really feel for you, Philip. You seem just as big an asshole as these people. I don't know. I guess for me, the character being a judge 
felt more like, yeah, that's what you do. You got this one wrong. Yeah, he's going you're in judgment. Case. But this, if you're a lawyer, it's like your job to defend the person. Yeah, just, you knew you didn't have to take their case. Yeah, like, that's you wanted that. You got that money, didn't you? You didn't mind taking that money. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Philip. Mm-mm. No, I, and I don't. I don't really think we're supposed to have any sympathy for him. I think he was just a bitch, like all the rest, all rest just, of them. Just a cast of assholes. Just uh-huh. a whole cast. Like every every single book in this, every single person in this book, I feel like is an asshole. Like, uh huh. Except maybe Raul and Andreas. They kind of were too at the end. <laughs> um, so basically, we find this out, and um, Wallace is kind of like, "Well, you know, there is no memorial service. Surprise! Nobody else is really coming." Um, oh no, that's at the very end. Well, but yeah, but like uh, it kind of oh, sets up. Are you jumping to the very end? Or are we going to skip Eddie's death? No, I'm going to talk about that too. Okay. But he's saying like, basically, he's setting up that everything has been a ruse. And you kind of think that Wallace is in the know, but you find out later that he's not. So at this point, you kind of think, oh, because Wallace's whole thing, I think, is that he's saying, Wallace is saying that you guys are being punished, uh, um, you know, whatever. But he doesn't realize that he's being punished, too. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he doesn't realize that he's one of the people that Philip is angry at. Yeah, I, that was probably the one twist that was left for me was, like, either Wallace was in on it or he was going to be duped as well. Yeah. So that was the one thing I could And I don't understand how he didn't get it if there's seven deadly sins and there's seven people there. Again, the seven deadly sins thing was not, not implemented to its full, full (laughs) potential. Yeah. Because he should have been, like, one, two, three, four. Five, six, point the finger at himself. Seven. Seven. <laughs> yeah. So here's where everything starts falling apart. Oh, it's, it's bonkers. So when they find Evelyn, I guess what happened? Like how how does it switch to Eddie? Eddie takes all the coke and he's just bonkers from straight. Yeah, Eddie not. starts doing all the coke. He's getting like totally nuts. So uh, Wallace, and here's where I think it's interesting. Wallace is like, okay, I'm going to team up with Miriam because. It's Miriam or Eddie at this point. <laughs> Eddie's like, um, you know, when we get out of here, I'll help you. It'll, it's going to be fine, but we both have to work together. And this is when Miriam starts sending all these emails to her daughter <laughs> saying, like, everything's going to be fine. I got a book deal. <laughs> like, somebody's definitely, this woman was murdering everyone. <laughs> no, there's a crazy person. But, um, you know, I'm going to be back and I'm going to make it up to you and all this, like, kind of delusional thinking. Oh, poor, sweet, naive baby. Um, yeah. And so... At one point, Eddie pulls out a really high caliber weapon, a Tech Nine, and he points it at Wallace and he sort of leads them out near the pool or something. I may be getting the ending kind of blurred up. Yeah, it's so right now it's like the key pieces, I guess, if it's this like clue or whatever. So um, Eddie has two guns um, and he had given, he had the Tech Nine and he had like a tiny little pistol. She keeps talking about how much that gun. <laughs> right. And it's the envy thing again. And the way she described it, I imagine this gun was just like a gun shaped piece of crumpled up tinfoil. Like- yeah, like, or one of those like potato shooter things. <laughs> or like, like a prop a gun. Yeah, a yeah. prop gun that's going to say bang. She just or keeps shading <laughs> She shades it. And she got this because. They were guarding, were they guarding Frank? They were guarding Frank. Mm-hmm. They, they were, were guarding, guarding Frank. And Eddie also teamed up with her, kind of. So he gives her the gun, because she's the only other one with, like, uh, handgun training, we find out. And it's like, wait a minute, Miriam, why do you have a gun? Ripley. Um, Ripley. <laughs> um, 
so he gives her the little pistol. She's kind of like, I want the Tech Nine. So that gun's in play. The Tech Nine's in play. Evelyn doesn't like the pistol. She wants to go get Javier's Uzi. <laughs> and then there are two. There was one. They knew about one satellite phone, but there was a surprise second one that Eddie had that is functional, yes. but only some t- only sporadically. Yes, depending on like cloud coverage and mm-hmm. yeah. So Evelyn think or Miriam thinks she has to get the better gun and the working satellite phone. And she and Wallace need to get away from Eddie. They need to get back in the house because yes. Eddie at this point has done so much coke. He's convinced um, the scorpion yes. <laughs> is coming to get them. So the scorpion yes. basically owned this island. And um, Philip Wallace, and Wallace got it from him. Yeah, Philip and Wallace got it from him. And Wallace keeps kind of alluding to the fact that there were, you know, original owners of the land. And we kind of took it from them in an underhanded deal. But it's not that big. It's nothing you need to be concerned about. Like, we got it fair and square. Like, we paid off the Mexican government to get this island. So it's fine. It's fine. Turns out that it's the scorpion who everybody's been talking about uh, all this time that he's really like vindictive and he's angry that he lost his uh, staging island basically. Um, Just to slow down somewhere in between this and that Evelyn, Miriam at one point bomb, like barricades herself in her room. And that's when she makes the, pl- like makes the plan to escape, to go search for the oh, this Uzi was, in the Butler pantry. This was after, this was okay. after the part that, okay. yeah, because Eddie, he leads them out into the woods and he's saying, because he's hopped up on the cocaine. Yeah. He's saying, oh, it was the scorpion, don't you know? He has it out for Wallace specifically because they stole the land. Yeah. Wallace is like, no, whatever, whatever. Um, and he keeps that, calling Miriam Charlotte, which will come into play. Yeah, he keeps calling her Charlotte and she's like, what? She decides, I'm going to go back to the house and that's when she barricades herself in the room. Yes. Um... So she kind of like falls asleep. She wakes up and she has like all these like, it's d- confusing because her dreams are so fragmented too. It's weird and they make no sense. And so she wakes back up and Eddie is outside, like pounding on the door saying like, let me in Charlotte. Um, and you know, he I never is, hurt you. His emotions, yeah, are just cycling from like all apologetic to like angry, threatening it's wild. Yeah, so he no longer thinks that, he's no longer on his kick about the scorpion coming to get them. He thinks that Miriam is his ex, um, who he, so his crime is, uh, <laughs> oh, I, his, yeah. he was a cop, and he shot an unarmed black person, but then <laughs> he shot another arm unarmed black person, and they're kind of saying, like, he's a racist cop, he's a killer cop, all this stuff. And then it kind of comes out that he shot the second guy because his ex left him for, for that, that black guy. guy. Yeah. So he pulled him over and was harassing him and then uh, shot and killed him. And so people think it's, like, you yeah. know, this racist cop, which it is, but also, like, he was motivated specifically to kill this guy. And then his girlfriend, his ex, went missing. Yeah. And no one knows where she is. Yeah, and he keeps saying, like, I swear, I don't know where she is. I sure, swear. Buddy. And then he's and then I think he kinda alludes to like he killed her or something. It's like yeah. he's like so far gone at this point that it's like just all over the place and a whole bunch of information coming at you. Yeah, he's so high on the on the cocaine. Yeah, so Evelyn has like 
put the uh, shiver robe or whatever in front of the door so they can't get in, but he's like banging on it and like screaming at her to come out and he thinks that she's the ex and all this stuff and it you know he loses the fact that he was beating the ex and there's like all this stuff that comes out and so she eventually sneaks out to get the uzi Uh, and she runs into wallace and wallace is like i thought you were dead (laughs) she's like i thought you were dead yes and so while they're sitting there chatting she had distracted eddie by throwing like a a vase out the window to get him outside and so while, he runs into the woods. Yes. So while they're all talking, he finds them, comes back, and pulls the gun out on them. Yeah. And so while they're chatting back and forth, I think he keeps accusing Wallace of working with the with the drug lords. Mm-hmm. And he's threatening to kill Wallace. He has a gun like to Wallace's head. Mm-hmm. And while all this is happening, Miriam pulls out the little pistol shooter, mm-hmm. aims it at, at Eddie, and he's sort of like, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. She's worried it may even not even be a real gun. And she fires, and it is a real gun. Yeah. And it blows a hole in Eddie's head. So she murders Eddie. She kills Eddie. Yes, in front of Wallace. In front of Wallace. And he freaks out. Yeah. As I guess anyone would. <laughs> and he runs back into the house. And we learn that this house has a lot of little hidey holes, little hideaways. Yeah, because... Eddie was kind of right. <laughs> we think it's a drug maybe. lord house. It's a drug lord house. The scorpion isn't super happy that they stole the house. So they built all these like hidey holes, priest holes or whatever, so that uh, they could hide um, Philip and Wallace should the scorpion's people ever come for them. Or so we're told. <laughs> yes. So Wallace has locked himself in this closet and Miriam is just like, Look, just give me one of the satellite phones. He has both of the satellite phones. So she's trying to talk him into giving her one of the satellite phones. Yeah. And they sort of come up with this plan where I do want to say, though, she goes into the room because he's locked himself in the master bedroom. And she's mad that the master, at uh, the closet in the master bedroom. She's mad that the master bedroom is nicer than her bedroom. She's always, anytime <laughs> like she walks really into pissed. a room, anytime Miriam walks into a room, we get a rundown about how tacky and or gorgeous the decor is. She will <laughs> let you know. Because that's important. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is important to her character, to be honest. Yeah, um, I think so. It's a very telling decision. But Wallace is in this hidey hole, and so they make up a plan where she'll leave the room, count to 50. She'll leave the Uzi. Yeah, she'll leave she the big that. gun. Yeah, she'll leave the big gun count to 50 he'll get out leave one of the satellite phones and that'll give him enough time to get back in the closet she can come back in get the phone and they'll go their separate ways well as he attempts to get out he discovers that he is stuck in this hidey hole and he also discovers a letter from philip (laughs) and philip just lays it all out he's just like you're all trash this includes you wallace um we learn wallace had wallace had a younger brother yeah. Who he sort of watched die. Yeah, it's like, and they see the picture earlier, and he alludes to having a twin several yeah. times. Yeah, the and picture. So, <laughs> Miriam's always like, huh, oh, that's weird. Yeah. And the picture goes missing. But he yeah. had a brother who he, he terrorized. always terrorized because the yeah. brother's like crying in the picture. It is. I'm like, what a <laughs> terrible picture. Miriam comments on that too. She's like, why is this the picture you would frame and hang? One of the boys is like beaten up and crying and the other one is standing there like gleefully. Yeah. It's weird. We so learned he, he had, watched his brother die. He Well, murdered, it was interesting how he watched him. It was, it, he didn't watch him die. And I thought like the details of this were like so insane. He said, because he's telling it and it's from his 
position. Uh-huh. So it's like trying to make him seem uh, justified. Sympathetic, yeah. And so he's like, well, my brother did something to piss me off and I had to teach him a lesson. And he was running from me, which he shouldn't have been doing. So I was chasing after him. And then he fell in a well. Yeah. And he like broke his back or something. And he was telling me to go get help. But I was really just interested in seeing what would happen. So I just went home and we ate dinner. And that night they couldn't find him. So everybody was going around looking for him. And I knew where he was, but I didn't want to get in trouble. And so he just didn't say. And then like a week later, they find out that he died down there yeah. in the well. And he and they're like, saved him. They're like little boys. Yeah, they're like no more than 10, I think. Yeah. So that's effed up. So, so then he says like, hey, killing people is cool. And then he <laughs> like, he, we find out that his parents died in a burglary. But really, he stabbed them to death to collect the... Uh, the money. Um, the money, because he always felt like he should live a better life than he was living on the farm or wherever they were at. Yeah. And so we also learned that he was domestic, like he was abusive towards Philip. Mm-hmm. So he would not admit to the relationship when Philip was alive. Mm-hmm. He, like he couldn't live in the closet. He also threatened, like if Philip ever left him, uh, it makes it, he, he threatened basically violence if Philip yeah. ever left him. So Philip found the knife that he um, used to kill his parents and sent it in to like, the police before he died. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I don't because, know why that was so funny, but it just kind of Because it's so hateful. Because he's like, I know you're going to die. Like, basically, he traps him in this closet, this hidey hole, yeah. um, with no way for him to escape. So he's like, you're basically going to um, die of dehydration, die very slowly, because no one, and he says, there's no boat like, you, you knew there was no boat coming. He's like, but no one is coming back. Yeah. He's like, no one can hear you here. No one can find you. There's no way to open the door. There's a really, like, poetic sentence where it's like, you will, your cancer will eat you from the inside out. It will consume your flesh, consume your brain. And I was like, damn, Philip. Like, Philip was pissed. Philip was, was done with everybody. Um, and so he's panicking in this hidey hole. And this is when we... This is when Miriam realizes that Philip thought she was also a piece of shit because for yeah. some reason she was under this delusion that she and Philip were friends. Well, and not I only that, she, thought, well, she yeah. thought Philip was flirting with her and that they possibly could have slept together. And I, yeah, I kind of, it seemed like she was saying like they did sleep together to Wallace at least. Like, I don't know if it's true, but I think she was like trying to insinuate that to Wallace. Yeah, like she thought their relationship was much deeper than Philip did. And it's just... We never see why, like, we don't get any, like, flashback scenes of her and Wallace talking or any sort of, like, interactions between them. Yeah. But she's just, she's, she's flabbergasted that she is in the same, she's being lumped together with these other assholes. Yeah, she's like, Philip loved me. <laughs> I was his best friend. Yes. She's like, we talked, we shared secrets, we were close. We also find out that Philip had no real plan for murders, um... I guess, uh, five and six. No, he, he just assumed they would take care of it. Yeah, he was like, at this point, everybody's gonna, you know, the three of you are probably gonna be at each other's throat. So you'll die in the closet, the other two will take care of themselves somehow. Which, he's putting a lot of faith into, I guess, <laughs> the murderous instincts. Because honestly, <laughs> if I was on this island, the second I saw those seven pieces, I would have raided that butler's pantry for food and just blocked myself in my in my room. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done after that, how I would have gotten off the island, but I would have figured it out. Yeah. 
But I guess, like, the whole point is they're so self-absorbed and they all think they're, like, convinced of their own innocence that they're like, I got nothing to worry about. I'm I'm, I'm not a sinner. I'm fine. Philip got me off. Philip got me off. (laughs) So. Uh, Wait, there is one key detail we forgot it and it becomes important at this point. Um, Oh, the scarf? Yeah, Desi had this long <laughs> scarf for some reason. This bitch of a scarf. That um, I forget why. So why does Miriam go back to get the scarf? She Her original plan is, so Wallace is locked in this oh, closet. Right, her plan is to try and get to the coast and signal for help. So yeah. she grabs rum. She grabs maybe some good, but she basically is going to start a big fire as a signal fire. And then she says in her head, the scarf could also be used to like wave someone down. Yeah. Which I don't so know, she, a blue scarf above an ocean in a blue sky. In a blue sky. Yeah, I didn't really get that. Find something red, you dum dum. Uh, so so she, that's why she takes it. And she yeah. does, she falls down she the stairs. She trips immediately on this scarf because for some reason, it's she's the longest full, scarf ever. And she doesn't wind it up or fold it. <laughs> she's just like letting it trail behind her. <laughs> And she's, she's, like, running to get to the coast. She immediately trips on it and falls down the stairs. Painfully. She, like, like, talks about how the pain, like, she hits her chin on the floor and, like, pain ricochets throughout her head. And, like, it's a really severe fall. Yeah. But she doesn't but she care. She still continues running with Picks scarf. herself up. She's running out with the scarf. She's running towards the cliffs. And she's like, I'm going to make my fire here. Because I'm a child of uh, Southern California and I've been to Laguna and I've been here and I've been there with, you know, be- much more beautiful cliffs than this. <laughs> and while she's thinking all of this, um, she trips on the scarf again. And just falls off the cliff. And falls off the cliff. Into the ocean. And like the whole time she's like, what? Like she's like in complete disbelief that this is. I actually thought that this was a pretty good scene. Like she's like what's happening i'm falling <laughs> like and then she hits the water and it's like she's past you know she's um going in and out of consciousness she sort of describes the pain it's, it's intense. really intense it's like an intense scene she looks up and she's been seeing a girl this whole time and later we find out it's brooke and uh-huh. um she like sees brooke standing up on the cliff she's like cursing desi with this big scarf she's thinking about her daughter and um, the waves are coming over her. It's just, it's very, like, intense. Um, I will say the falling scene did kind of make me think of Wile E. Coyote. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Just, like, the cartoon physics where you don't fall until you realize there's nothing under you. And then you yeah. go crashing to the she's ground. Just, she's very delusional up to the point that she did not realize she fell off a cliff. And so, yeah, then she's, I didn't realize, I went back, yeah, the prologue or the epigraph, whatever it's called, is that exact same paragraph where she's just sort of floating in the ocean, Mm -hmm. talking about the scarf and how she's just being carried away. Yeah, because the scarf kind of gets wrapped around her neck or something, it's like kind of pulling her under. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice detail. (laughs) Yeah. The scarf is on the cover, so. Um, And then at the the very last paragraph, the um, Mexican citizens who had sort of ferried them out mm-hmm. Raul and Andreas we see them as they pull her body out of the ocean yeah and, and they're, they're like well like, I guess everyone's dead <laughs> yeah because she does when she's like up on the cliff she gets excited because she does see their boat yes and they're coming and she's towards like, her they're coming towards her but then they turn away at the last second and she's like what um they're like so whoops it, bitch is still alive we gotta yeah. come back so they basically and I think they are working for the scorp were they working for the scorpion or were they working for Philip? Or they might have been working for both, but it's kind of like the I kind of got guy. the impression they're working for whoever's paying them. That's so like, what I thought too. Yeah, yeah, the scorpion was paying them before. 
Philip's paying them now. Yeah. Just, you know, as the long as they get guy, paid. Yeah. Yeah, the younger guy's kind of like, well, don't you feel bad about this? And the older guy's like, hey, this is just what it is. This is my job. This is work. This is my Do job. Your work. Let's pull this yeah. body out. Let's go. Yeah. And sort of that's the end of it. Yeah, I was. I will say her death is pretty anticlimactic. Like just falling. Like just what was Philip gonna do if she yeah. wasn't clumsy? Like how are you planning that out, Philip? Did he have a backup plan? It's just like for Eddie and her death. It's like you know they'll figure it out. Yeah, he was really putting a lot of faith in them on those last few deaths. Because like, what if Wallace had never hidden in that hidey hole? That's three deaths right there. Yeah. What if he hid in a different hole? Or just like a closet? He's just like I'm just gonna. Or how did the bed? Literally anywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a bad book. Mm-hmm. I will say I was interested. I wanted to see the deaths. I mean, I, I was here for the deaths. <laughs> but the fact that they don't start till more than halfway through the book, and because I've already read and then there were none, mm. the suspense just wasn't there for me. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't very suspenseful because I feel like you kind of get that Evelyn is doing it pretty early on. <laughs> oh, I didn't get Well, I mean, I guess I did. I was hoping that'd be a red herring. I was hoping somebody was setting her up. <laughs> oh, so, you know, there's a couple of scenes when they're walking through the forest, like they have that hour trek to uh-huh. the island. Miriam makes these comments where she feels like there's something bigger sort of walking, keeping pace with them. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene? So it made me think that maybe there was another person mm. on the island, which even that would have been suspicious. Like Philip, like I kept thinking Philip's not even dead. I was thinking that for a second yeah. too, yeah. <laughs> and he was going to reveal himself at the end. Yeah, I thought after Evelyn died that he was going to come out and say, I'm still here. And we're all going to die on this island. <laughs> I'm taking us all. <laughs> so, I mean, it was fine. I was just a little bored at the beginning. And I, like, definitely read two other books <laughs> at the time between when I started it and then when I finally buckled down and finished it. Yeah. Um, I, I do like how catty everyone was. Oh, there were some were... just really good. I see Wallace... that you have here the note, Wallace's wig. Oh, Wallace. Wallace was such a catty bitch. And, like, he had the best lines. But that's because he's the only one who knew everybody else's business. Yeah. But he, he also had, like, this bad wig on. That, he did have um, a bad wig. Miriam, like, just dogs him for the whole time. <laughs> she does comment, like, you could see the glue. She's like, I could see the glue on his wig stretching and pulling. It was really funny. He calls her a Groupon guest. That's what yeah. I love. A coupon clutching con. Yeah, because he's like, everybody else here is rich but you. So, what does that say? <laughs> it's like, oh. Another line I liked, and I don't remember whose bedroom it was. I think it was Eddie's, and it was one of Miriam's thoughts when she says, this bedroom was a poor Italian man's idea of how a rich Italian man would decorate. <laughs> like, I kind of... I, I like, think that it was, was good. either Eddie or it was uh, Frank, because it was, like, all the gold, and it was, like, really over the top. <laughs> that yeah. was funny. I did like that line. I'm like, oh, that's a good line. Like, because yeah. I could see that in my head. Like, yeah. just new money taste. Yeah talk about i had some notes on the outline just miriam's a liar she was it's a liar yeah. so long to die yeah because she she kind of passed out she wakes up the next morning and then she dies i was like i i she survived that fall man that was a for a hot second i thought she was gonna get out of it alive i did too i thought she was gonna like be got by the boat or something yeah i'm like and like i don't want to root for her but i was like come on girl <laughs> So I imagine Wallace looking like that guy from the Beauty and the Beast who ran the asylum, like the animated one where he comes to pick up her father. Oh, I can't remember. I see him in like, oh, <laughs> I can see that. Like that's what he pictured him as. 
Um, and then I will say, and I think we touched on this. I'm just looking at my notes. The actual writing, words on the page, as you call mm-hmm. it, it was. It takes some getting used to, but I think now, once you pointed it out that it was, I guess, just sort of showing how big of a mess Miriam was. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because once I got in the story and I figured out and I started getting clues, I got mm-hmm. it. But it was really hard. Like at one part, I think I sent you the highlighted note. Uh-huh. here a teardrop bubble to the rim of my right eye like some of the wording is just was weird yeah it was, it was far in between but it was just a weird it was weird word choices and it's like yeah. because i'm not familiar with this writer if i know that like that's a quirk of hers mm-hmm. or if it was like miriam trying to act like she was like a little bit smarter a little bit more poetic than she actually was yeah because it's just it's it's like you know, you can have an unreliable narrator, but it's like every person in this book is unreliable. They're all like, yeah, it's a mess. And I feel like, have you read Gone Girl, right? Yes. It's not as full on, you know, character switch as that. You just sort of yeah. learn, oh, she's not trustworthy. She's not yeah. actively lying to you the way yeah. it's that like character you, was. Yeah, you never get a point where you think that. Maybe except for, like, the first 10, 15 minutes before you realize that Miriam is, like, completely untrustworthy. Yeah. There's not really a huge part portion of this book where you feel like she's being very honest with you. Yeah. It's very frustrating, though, because, like, just stop lying. And I know, I don't know, she just got on my nerves with all the lies, especially over nothing, like the book deal and the broken glass oh I also heard broken glass bitch no you didn't but I feel like it's like her character like she saw that Eddie wasn't doing what she wanted him to do yeah so she said well there was broken glass too and then like she can she goes back and convinces herself she's like I heard that yeah I heard that (laughs) she does she does a lot of like back talk to (laughs) to convince herself of what the lie she's just the lie that she just told that you know for a fact is a lie and she's like no I totally heard it so we did say, do we agree on our best death, best worst so. death? It yeah. was Frank's. It was Frank, I think. Frank followed pretty closely by Javier. Yeah, those were two pretty bad. And I guess Wallace, because Wallace is, I that could be a whole other I think the best orchestrated one, yeah, would be Wallace. Like, just the best where it's like, damn, Omeki, <laughs> would probably be Wallace. I didn't realize, because he gets mentioned at the beginning of the book, just like in passing, when she describes like how she's been trying to call her lawyer, but she can't reach him. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea this man would become the major driving force <laughs> behind this book. Right. Yeah, because even like for the first like half of 41 starts dying, he's kind of in the background mm-hmm. and he's kind of being snarky, but you don't really realize like why he's there or how he fits in. And I think, was it Frank or somebody is like, uh, Philip was gay? It's Eddie, yeah. <laughs> or Eddie and everyone was like, yeah, fool. <laughs> oh my gosh. Eddie, oh God, he was a mess. Eddie was so, a mess. I was trying to think also like what way this story could have gone where it would have maybe, like how it could have differed from and then there were none and would have made it more suspenseful. I guess if Philip was alive the whole time. Yeah. But I don't know. But it then it would have been Saw. That's what I was thinking. It would have been Saw and I don't want that either. <laughs> So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she did a good job. I really liked the premise. It, it was a good summer read. Like, yeah. The yeah. title, though. I just kept thinking about Kanye. Kanye. <laughs> oh, Kanye. Just. Just. Uh, R.I.P. his career. Um, so I guess that's it. This isn't the deepest book we've we've discussed. It's just seven people on an island killing Yep, dead. Killing being killed, yeah. They dead. Um, they did. It 
did make me want to go on vacation. Not <laughs> yeah. to a tropical island. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like mad. I've gone nowhere. I'm stuck in Missouri. Yeah, I think so. we're, we're here for a minute. <laughs> so I think that's it. Is there any, did you have any other I don't think ending so. comments? No, I don't think so. How did you hear about this book? Because I think you picked it. I think I just Googled like upcoming books. <laughs> and it had a premise that sounded fun. And I was like, it's summer. Like we want to do something like lighter. Yeah. Um, this does have, I do maybe, I will maybe check out her detective books. Because like mm-hmm. she can write. I just don't know. Maybe she's doing something more original, but she's yeah. not constrained to like a previous retelling. Yeah, if this, yeah, I, I think if I had read the other book, then I might have had a different opinion or compared yeah. it to something else. But yeah, oh, and then there were none as wild because they get on that, they get in the mansion, and the deaths don't stop. We don't <laughs> spend all this time with the foreplay and the ooh, let's have a fit. No, she, they get there and people start dropping. So <laughs> it's it's crazy, and they catch on that they're being systematically dropped too which i think kind of adds to the suspense yeah these people were just so delusional that they were kind of like couldn't be me like everybody else is gonna die but not me yeah well to be fair javier's came off as a complete accident yeah javier's came off as a complete accident yeah like that was definitely uh, a murder a murder but it looked like it was specific to her like something went wrong with her um frank's look like Kind of a murder, but then yeah. you're kind of like, well, maybe it was Eddie. Um, That's why I think if maybe there were just a few more guests, like 12 or 10, and there were enough repeat deaths where it's like, okay, this is a pattern yeah. that the other people could pick up on, it would yeah. have really ratcheted up. Yeah, I could see that. But then the seven deadly sins motif wouldn't have fit. Yeah, but I, I don't know if they totally <laughs> needed that. Oh, because I was going to ask this. By default, I guess Evelyn is sloth. Yeah, which I don't get at all. Like, unless, that was the one I was like trying to say. Hmm? Yeah. Well, because I was going to say, unless her murders were like she saw people in distress and she actively did nothing to help them. Yeah, but she didn't. Like, she killed them. She actually And then she <laughs> took their shit. Yeah. It's the opposite of sloth. Yeah. Like, if they had died due to her inactivity, I could see that. Yeah. But no. She was actively killing them. And then, like, she took, like, a uh, turquoise Yeah, a turquoise, deposit. a whole mine. Yeah, a mine. It was like... But, how do you just... How do you, how'd you get that? Oh, my God. It was wild. Yeah, I guess I really just wanted the Seven Deadly Sins thing to work a little bit better. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that they could have had, like, maybe two or three more people and then not had the Seven Deadly... Like, I like the idea of this huge... Like hideous table, yeah, and the pieces and the pieces going missing, but it's like literally, um, Miriam picks up her envy piece and she's like, mm, and then she puts it back down. Like she runs off, and I feel yeah. like that's kind of what we get from the table. Yeah, and so yeah, it's yeah, it wasn't very, it wasn't the forefront. So any other? I think that's it. It's not a yeah. deep book. Usually no, we have we have lots of things. Miriam's Miriam's an asshole. Soul mm-hmm. cast is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, I think I was taking um, Alicia's advice from uh, the wedding date about the uh, guy you date but not marry. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> like, it was a fun book. It was fun to listen to. It's good for a commute. Yeah. Um, it was good for summer. But yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of depth, you know, right. beyond what was there. It's just kind of like a fun 
uh, you know, very light mystery. Very light mystery. <laughs> so, so I guess that's it. What are we doing? What, where's our, I don't even know where we go next. What's our outline? Oh, I guess what we recommend. I mean, we already said that. Sure. Yeah, I'd recommend. I mean, it's not the worst book I've ever read. It was just a little underwhelming. Um, so what are you reading, Molly? Um, so I finished that exhalation and I got the guy's first collection of short stories, a Ted Chiang stories of your life and others. That's been very good. I'm really liking it. Ooh, it okay. that make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the one who, you said the audible of collection of short stories was really good. Mm-hmm. And it was exhalation. Okay. Um, yeah. It's like, did you see that movie arrival? You asked me that too. And yeah. I, remember, I think I said, no, I'm really bad at seeing movies. <laughs> so that's uh, the short story that is that movie is based off of is in this collection. Cool. So I will check that out. What did you read? I read, so I did a couple. I had a lot, but that's because three of them are really short. I did The Poet X by Elizabeth okay. Avicito because it was on Hoopla and it was like a three hour listen. It is the story of a girl who has discovered slam poetry and it sort of goes against her religious mother's beliefs well the slam poetry and the dating and the boys sort of runs against her religious mother's beliefs so they sort of have tension there it's told entirely in verse um Mm. i thought it was okay i think because it was so short and because of the format it couldn't really explore some of the topics i wanted it to explore Mm. that's my problem i think with ya to be like overall Mm. yeah you said that but um, it's the performance was the poems were good to hear. Like she she is a slam poet, and so they were really good poets. I just wish, you know, they had been more. I also every time I look at the cover, I remember that that woman's likeness was stolen. Oh yeah, yeah, I that's about that. yeah, yeah, that's the one where the designer stole a photo of her and then put it on the cover without her permission. Yeah. So, yikes! I read "Everyone's an Alien When You're an Alien Too" by Johnny Sun, which was really mm-hmm. cute. It's like just a collection of like life observations and insightful little sayings. So I read that. Um, I read The Day You Begin, which is a picture book by Jacqueline Woodson. I put that on our registry. It's cute. It's really mm. cute. Uh, I got it from Mariah. It seems like a really good, like, back to school Can we book. count kids' books? Because I read a whole bunch of those over. <laughs> I've been counting them. If it's got a thing on Goodreads, I've been counting them. So um, I finished Soulless, The Case Against R. Kelly, Highly recommend. I did a little book review on our Instagram on an Insta story. It's one okay. of our highlighted ones, so you can see it there. Um, it's a mess, y'all. Uh, I will say the one thing that I learned that was probably the most shocking was that um, everyone, all of his acquaintances from like way back when they hear about the accusations, like no one's surprised. <laughs> They're like, yeah, the brother needs help. Like, there's no one who's like, that doesn't sound like Robert. No, or I no, can't that believe. just like him. Maybe yeah, not. like, no, that's something he would do. Like, no one is. <laughs> No one was shocked by this. So it was really good. I recommend reading it. Um, I read Heads of the... Oh, I didn't say the author. Jim DeRogatis wrote Solus. I read Heads of the Colored People by Nari, mm-hmm. uh, Nafisa Thompson Spires. Because it was also on Hoopla. And I saw it was a short read. It was good. Those Mamas. That was a funny one. <laughs> that killed me. The audio especially. Oh, I should listen to the audio. Oh, it's on Hoopla. You can get it there. It's so hilarious. I loved that one. I love the one where she like wants to commit. She's trying to leave a suicide note on Facebook and like no one gets it. Like, 
like she does it by like posting a dead and gone song by T.I. And people are like, I love JT. <laughs> um, and then what's the one where um, uh, the girl is trying to like study to become blacker? Oh. So that one was good too. Oh, and the office, the office one with the lights where his office mate keeps turning the lights on. Oh. He's like, I want the lights off. And it's this petty back and forth. Yeah. I loved it. So, um, and I am currently reading The Warmth of Other Suns. Oh, because, I like that book. Yeah, Saeed Jones said he didn't trust people who didn't read The Warmth of Other Suns. And I've been oh. meaning to read it. And I was like, I want to be the kind of person people trust. So I started it. It's a long one. It is a long one. It's a big book. So that's it. I guess I should be working at work. Instead, I listen to audiobooks. Uh. <laughs> Whoops. So, I mean, it's summer. The kids aren't here. So it'll That's pick true. up once we get back. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh, all right. So we have our chat coming up. Mm-hmm. I didn't even run this idea past you, Molly. So I hope you saw it on the outline and I hope you're okay with it. I think we talked about it a little bit. We didn't pick the topic, though. I think you said on Twitter, you're like, this okay. is a topic, and I said, okay. Oh, well, if you had another one, I'm sure, like, because I was trying to think, like, I just I thought that would be another a, one. I thought that would be a fun one, because yeah. I'm really interested. So, what we're going to start doing with the BCL chats, we sort of discovered that when we have the more structured conversations about topics, as opposed to asking a question and getting feedback, I guess people just enjoy it more when we actually talk about a thing. Which I get. Like, which, you know, we'll still have questions sometimes, yeah. but it'll be more of a mix, which we used to do. Yeah. And we'll still welcome on. feedback. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so think like our Rita So White discussion where we had like a, a really in-depth discussion about the topic and what was going on and what people were saying about it. So for the next one, we're going to look at booktubers and look at what black booktubers are dealing with because there's been a lot of discussion about it lately. Was it BuzzFeed? I shared an article. I don't yeah. think it was Buzz. Was it? Okay. I, I can't remember who it was. But I remember the article. Yeah, I just can't remember the outlet. So they did a story. And I've always, I've heard a lot of rumblings um, with the Hate You Give video shoot. There was another issue with the Becoming Booktuber book tour. And apparently, I think they said no black women were invited to participate in that one. Mm. So that was where Booktubers got to like interview Michelle Obama. Uh for their channels so and it's like interesting yeah so it's like where are the black booktubers why are they being overlooked and we're gonna discuss it i'm excited so i think that's it we did an episode there it is (laughs) (laughs) two hours went so fast oh man that's it (laughs) so follow us on twitter at black chicklet on Instagram at BCL Podcast and visit us at blackchicklet.com. I'm making, I'm going to do pretty soon a 30-day Instagram challenge so I can mm. really make it a habit to get on there and do stuff. I've been doing the stories, but mm-hmm. the post, I've been doing a lot of posts. <laughs> I need a, I don't have a good camera. People expect you to have talent on Instagram and y'all are, that's, that's too much of an expectation. Like someone said once, like, we were saying like we didn't do a whole lot of book Instagram and then they were like, well, you could take a, a nice photo or something, no? And I wanted to say, no, I No, I like, that's easier said than done. <laughs> I cannot take a nice photo. <laughs> I, like, I got my cell phone and terrible lighting. What do you want me to do? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play or wherever you're finding us because that helps other people find our podcast. Yep. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email them to... 
email them to contact at blackchicklit.com. And finally, as always, thanks to Sweet 45 for the use of our theme song, Jonesing. You can find them on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash sweet, S-U-I-T-E 45. Boom. What a, that's like the most efficient wrap-up we've ever done. We were I think on so. It. Yeah. yeah. We were a little distracting. Yeah. And we're going to ruin it right now by talking about how great it was. Um, so let's end this up. Thanks, guys. Um, we are going to have the... Yeah, have a chat next week. If you have any comments that you want to add about Black Booktubers, you're certainly welcome to tweet us and send yeah. those in before we have the chat. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.